You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. In 1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best, and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only. My name is Ryan Knightsey. On today's episode, we are talking about someone who is quite possibly the largest wrestler that has ever been in any G1 Climax in the history of the tournament. Standing at six foot eight, 500 plus pounds, this man was a former Yokozuno in sumo wrestling, competed even at WrestleMania 21. He also competed in MMA. He's done everything under the sun. Today, we will be looking into the career and the one and only G1 Climax appearance of Akebono. Chadwick Rowan was born May 8th, 1969 in the island state of Hawaii. Growing up, Rowan played basketball and was an all-star center. You know, I have to imagine that his height of six foot eight played a key factor in this. He was able to earn a basketball scholarship for Hawaii Pacific University, but despite basketball and an interest in hotel management of all things, Rowan loved watching sumo on his TV. He was introduced to a former Takemiyama Azumezuki Oyakata, where he expressed his interest in sumo. Oyakata was nervous about the idea of Rowan competing in sumo, you know, due to his height and his long legs, which is not something normally known in sumo wrestling. But he let him join anyway. 
So when he moved over to Japan to start training, he adopted the name Akebono, meaning New Dawn. He rapidly rose to the ranks, and yes, I, I don't know enough, enough about sumo to really describe everything, but it would appear that Akebono did s- remarkably well. He you know, tied a record for most consecutive sumo tournament wins and was the top in his division in two years' time. In 1993, Akebono competed for Yokozuna after winning two consecutive tournaments and having the uh, what is described on Wikipedia as having the dignity and humility to be awarded with such a title, becoming the first ever non-Japanese-born competitor to achieve Yokozuna in sumo. Akebono lasted eight years in the Yokozuna rank. He had many great victories and even competed in the 1998 Winter Olympics for Japan. Akebono was also susceptible to injury because of his height. Like I said, that height-weight combination, not necessarily known for being you know, good for sumo. And I also imagine just the, the normal size and weight of these guys are... It's not a lot. It's a lot of... I, I'm not 500-plus pounds, but I'm certainly a tall person, and just my weight alone is not great for my knees. So I can't imagine what the, that was like for his long legs, his knees. So... Uh, after his winning uh, his 11th top division title in November of 2000, Akebono suffered another injury, and instead of staying with it, staying in sumo, he decided to retire. After some time off, a restaurant, and some other financial issues, though, Akebono decided to join K1, a kickboxing MMA promotion. He was not that great, you know, only winning once in kickboxing out of 10 bouts, and he never won in mixed martial arts. But he's able to be in the big prestigious bouts against famous people, but just it was never really good enough, sadly. In April of 2005, Akebono finally had his first touch with pro wrestling when he competed in a sumo match, kind of his last one in sort of kayfabe terms, against the Big Show at WrestleMania 21. Yes, if you remember that match at all, Akebono was that big wrestler. Sadly, Big Show doesn't have fond words of it, uh, describing it as one of the most embarrassing moments in wrestling for him personally. But this was not the end for Akebono, who was finding himself a new passion in combat sports. So he joined with All Japan in August of 2005 and was immediately paired up with Keji Muto as his sort of enforcer trainer. Like in sumo, Akebono started out strong, having Tokyo Sports name him Rookie of the Year and Team of the Year with Keji Muto. On January 4th, 2006, at the last January 4th event before Wrestle Kingdom, Akebono debuted in New Japan alongside Yuka Yoshi, and they both got the win. Akebono made his subsequent official debut, teaming up with Riki Choshu, beating the IWGP Tag Team Champions in a non-title match. He then challenged Brock Lenzer for the IWGP heavyweight title in March of that same year, and when the title became vacant, he was able to be even in the tournament. Maybe it's his size, but wherever Akebono went, he was pushed and prevalent throughout the cards. So with another great year under his belt, he capped it all off by entering the 2007 G1 Climax. And that is where we find ourselves today, folks. So without further ado, let's travel back to 2007 and watch Akibono's one and only G1 Climax performance. Akibono started his one and only G1 Climax run, taking on eight-time G1 Climax participant and 2001 G1 Climax winner, 
Yuji Nagata. Nagata starts off the match with, you know, on the offense, slowly trying to take down Akibono. But one shoulder block from Akibono proves Nagata's goal not. Akibono throws Nagata into the corner, does a sort of sumo taunt, then splashes Nagata into the corner and follows up with a huge leg drop. Akibono does, does that sumo taunt, and when I say sumo taunt, it's the one where it's like, you know, one leg down, the other leg down, hands on knees, and the, you know, that sort of like sumo squat taunt. Uh, and he does this onto the down Nagata, uh, sort of taunting, but also choking out Nagata with his foot, the weight, everything on there. Uh, he does even the Nagata salute for additional uh, taunting uh, and attempts to pin Nagata with that foot for a two count. Akibono slaps Nagata one time and drops him, causing Nagata to fall out of the ring, showcasing that strength from Akibono. As Nagata is getting back into the ring, Akibono goes for a running low drop kick, but Nagata scouted it and dodged out of the way, putting both of Akibono's ankles in leg, in not leg locks, ankle locks. Back in the ring, Nagata moves up the leg and kicks Akibono's knee and thighs, dropping Akibono to one knee. Nagata does a shining wizard, taking the giant all the way to the ground for the very first time. Akibono counters with German suplex and elbow drop for a two count. He then locks in a full Nelson, really wrenching on it on Nagata, but Nagata is able to get out of the hold and reverse the whole entire thing into a knee bar. Both men get up, and Akibono hits a huge Samoan drop called the Japanese drop for a two count. Back up again, Akibono goes for a choke slam, but Nagata is able to reverse out, looking for that arm bar. Akibono powers out of it. Nagata hits his explorer suplex on the big man for a two count, but doesn't get it. Nagata goes right for the ankle lock, then transitions into the knee bar in the center of the ring. Akibono tries to move, but he just can't, and he is forced to tap out. Conclusion Yuji Nagata defeated Akebono in 6 minutes and 32 seconds. What I didn't expect from this match with Akebono is his level of cockiness. And yes, most giants do that one foot pin attempt and stuff, but Akebono presented like a, a character with it. You know, he does his opponent's taunts at them, he does a drop kick. When a giant does a drop kick, you know, let alone a former, you know, former sumo wrestler, that is outstanding stuff. So in terms of our main character today, this match was more about presenting character to me. You know, the story of the match in terms of wrestling was about Nagata, you know, trying to chop down a tree systematically. And I'm sort of disappointed that Akibono didn't get the win here, being that he is a giant of a man. But he sort of got across his charisma, which I think is a feat in of itself, and I can sort of applaud that. Block A Night 1 ends with Hiroshi Tanzan, Togi Makabe, and Yuji Nagata with two points, Akebono, Giant Bernard, and Masahiro Chono with zero points.
Moving into night two, Akibono tries to pick up his first win against three-time G1 Climax participant Togi Makabe. And as you can probably already suspect, there is no match audio because for whatever reason, the DVD did not have audio for this match. Who knows? I don't I'm not a DVD doctor. Anyway, let's get to the match. The match begins with a strong lockup, but Akibono is able to easily shove off Makabe. Akibono calls for a test of strength, which of course he easily wins, but Makabe is able to kick out of the test of strength, for lack of a better word. He goes for two lariats, but gets boss man slammed for his troubles. Akibono slams him down and goes for this sort of straight modified cravat anaconda vice. There's probably another term for it I'm completely missing, but it is this sort of like anaconda vice with a cravat hold, uh, which is very intriguing to me. Back up, Akibono locks in the full Nelson, and Makabe hits Akibono below the belt to escape. Makabe throws Akibono to the outside, and Akibono, because of his height, hits his head on the metal guardrail. Outside, Makabe attacks Akibono with a chair, so getting really violent right out of the bat. The two enter back in the ring. Makabe grabs that chain that he wears to the ring, looks for it, looks for an attack with it. The referee says no. Akibono sees the opportunity to attack Makabe, but instead accidentally hits the ref, in which case Makabe grabs that chain, punches Akibono with it, and then just unloads on Akibono with it, just punching him in the head and then taking off, taking off his hand and choking Akibono with it. Uh, based on the video, I should say it looks like there's a lot of boos calling from the crowd right now. Heel heat, if you will. Makabe is able to cut open Akibono for real with that chain. Uh, Makabe grabs Akibono outside the ring and drags all the way. He, he you know, drags him all the way over to the merch table and throws him back into it, which I think is very interesting of why he could have done that. And it almost feels like he's saying, you know, you're not you're not one of us. Go back to the merch table. That Here you go. I'll help you there. Makabe brings Akibono back into the ring, hitting him with the ring post. Makabe, he's looking for a table, you know, can't find one. So instead, he steals the one for the timetable. He's literally walking all the way around the ring looking for it. And he's just like, screw it. We're going to grab the timetable one. Makabe wraps his chain around Akibono's neck to drag him away, then tries to throw him into the table that is currently leaned up against the ring post outside the ring. Akibono says no, reverses the whip, then splashes Makabe into the table into the ring post. Back in the ring, Akibono headbutts Makabe, then does a belly-to-belly suplex into the bonsai drop for the win. Conclusion. Akibono defeated Togi Makabe in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. Quite surprised from this match. In fact, really surprised from this match. And that's simply because of the role Akibono played. You know, he wasn't the bad luck fale giant type. He wasn't the giant Bernard even giant type. Uh, someone he wasn't the person that was being the one that does all the damage being the the overpowering uh, individual instead he was this six foot eight 500 plus pound former sumo wrestler playing this likable underdog no definitely something i wasn't expecting i can't think of a single time in wrestling where that's happened before you know maybe like the great Kali, but even then i don't i don't think he ever did that and we're not talking to like an even playing field. We're talking like Akebono working from underneath throughout the entire match. You know, Makabe, 
was just beating down a former sumo wrestler, busting him open, throwing him into the merch table. It was almost disrespectful to a point uh, in terms of the story. Like, Makabe wanted to show Akibono that he doesn't belong in this business. Total heat on Makabe, and although their table spot into the corner didn't really work out in the actual match, this match was a complete and utter surprise, and I enjoyed that sort of inversion from the typical story that was presented to me. Block A Night 2 ends with Nagata with four points, Akebono, Makabe, Bernard, and Tenzan with two points, and of course, Chono with zero points. On night three of the 2007 G1 Climax, Akibono takes on five-time G1 Climax winner, Mr. G1 himself, Masahiro Chono. But before we begin this match, we should showcase the relationship between these two. You know, in the DVD I received, which I believe was actually an episode of television, they show footage of Masahiro Chono training Akebono in wrestling, giving headbutts to young boy Naito. These two have at least a professional relationship, so I'm interested to see how that plays out in their match today. So their match begins with their respect, a handshake that the two share, that Chono immediately attacks Akebono on. You know, the strikes don't work, but, you know, it's something to do to the great Akebono. Akebono then headbutts Chono into the corner, then follows up with a huge elbow drop going straight into the modified Anaconda Vice. This headbutt into the corner move and the elbow drop is kind of what was shown in their training video. So it's sort of like Chono trained Akebono, and Akebono immediately used that sort of sequence uh, to his advantage. Akebono attempts that sumo stop pin, but doesn't get it. He tries again, but Chono strikes away and is able to take Akebono down, locking in the figure four leg lock. Following the leg lock, Chono goes for a diving shoulder block, but he just bounces off of Akebono, who simply staggers. Akebono headbutts Chono to the outside, which causes Chono to be stunned on the outside for about 19 seconds. Literally headbutted so hard that he gets... You know, he can't get up in night in 20 seconds or so. Back in the ring, Akibono goes for the Japanese drop, but Chono reverses out and chop blocks Akibono's knee. Same sort of tactic that, Ch- uh, that Chono was using that uh, compared to not uh, Nagata, you know, going after those legs, going after the knees, cutting down the tree, as it were. Chono tries to break down Akibono with a running boot, but Akibono just grabs Chono by the throat instead. Chono reverses out, and the two exchange blows for a little bit. Akibono does a Saito suplex for a two count. He then goes for a running splash, but to no avail. Chono is able to get out, hits a shining kick, and on the pin at two, Akibono just throws Chono off of him, showcasing his power, throwing this, this... Chono is still a big guy, off of him completely. Chono is actually able to get up faster than Akibono, and he hits an axe kick to the back of Akibono's head. With Akibono on the ground, Chono locks in the STF, and Akibono taps out. Conclusion. Masahiro Chono defeated Akebono in 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Chono and Akebono put together quite a simple story with opposing layers. From Akebono's perspective, you know, he wants to beat the teacher, who just happens to be 
one of the best ever. Sorry, the the best G1 Climax wrestler on the planet. From Chono's perspective, not only does he want to maintain that legendary status and not lose to his student, but he has to find a way to take down this giant individual. So in a way, you have student-teacher, but another way, you have David versus Goliath. Chono does a great job of setting up the strength of Akebono's head throughout the match, selling you know the selling of Akebono's headbutts, which is a long-term setup for even the next match. For me, it was disappointing for Akebono to lose once again, and by tap-out, no less. And I don't like seeing giants tap out, but hey, this is no ordinary giant. You know, it should also be noted that, you know, the respect was not lost between the two. The professional relationship maintained since after the match, Chono left his celebration to go raise Akebono's hand. Block B, Knight 3, ends with Bernard, Makabe, and Nagata with four points. Akebono, Chono, and Tenzan with two points. For Knight 4 of the G1 Climax, Akebono looks to make a little bit of a comeback against a fellow giant, one-time G1 Climax participant, and semi-finalist Giant Bernard. But this match was on the DVD, so I could not review the match itself. Looking at the match, historically speaking, Akebono and Giant Bernard's match ends in a double countout after 9 minutes and 57 seconds. Whereas it would have been interesting to see how the two giants play out, you know, looking at the results makes complete sense. You know, you have two giants in the ring, both need to look good, so have them lose by double countout. You know, I have to imagine that the story was, you know, who was the better giant, and the answer became neither or both or whatever. Either way, neither man really wins. Block B, Night 4, ends with Bernard with 5 points, Tenzan, Makabe, Chono, and Nagata with 4 points, and Akebono at the bottom of the block, sadly, with 3 points. In his last match of the 2007 G1 Climax, Akebono can no longer win the tournament, but wants to, of course, not be last. And he will attempt the goal by taking on 12-time G1 Climax participant and 3-time G1 Climax winner, including the year prior of 2006, Hiroshi Tenzan. The match starts off with a strength battle between this former sumo wrestler and the bull Tenzan to begin. Akebono no-sells the Mongolian chops at the very beginning. There's does no, no damage to him. Tenzan runs the ropes, and Akebono just slaps him across the face instead of anything else, dropping him to the floor. Akebono hits a belly-to-belly, then a modified vice grip into the elbow drop times two. Akebono teases a tope suicida, which would have been awesome. He doesn't do it because Tenzan is able to pull Akebono down uh, you know, to his legs or hang over the apron, slams his knees against it, uh, just really going after those legs again. But he reverses that strategy. He goes instead, he starts striking Akebono's back, his chest, his head. Sort of that reverse Nagata match. Tenzan lands a diving headbutt, again going after Akebono's head. But Tenzan is able to continue staying in control. Does the Mongolian chops, which this time affects uh, Akebono. You know, if you were gifting the match, you would have seen him no-selling the Mongolian chops at the beginning, and maybe that would have upset Twitter. But now they work. So they show that Akebono's uh, strength is being depleted. He's he's succumbing to the, the head injury, the head trauma, the chest, the back pain. He's succumbing to it all. He's, these Mo- Mongolian chops are finally affecting him. 
Akebono is able to hit a reversal sidewalk slam, knocking the referee out too somehow. Akebono goes for a running elbow, but Tenzan's second, Hanma, hits Akebono with a chair. The referee gets up to yell at Hanma, and Tenzan takes a chair and hits Akebono in the head. Hanma traps Akibono in the ropes. Tengan, Tenzan goes for a running splash, but Akibono dodges, and Tenzan hits Hanma instead. Akibono throws Hanma into the ring and beats down both guys of a lariat and a running splash into the corner. Akibono continues attacking Hanma with a belly-to-belly suplex and presumably putting him out for good. Akibono sees Tenzan on the top rope, trying to you know, do some sort of move to escape, to do some move to sort of hit him with it. So he climbs it as well, gets up to the second rope, gets him on his shoulders into that fireman's carry position, and does a Japanese drop off the second rope for the win. <laughs> Conclusion Akibono defeats Hiroshi Tenzan in 9 minutes and 18 seconds. In a solid outing, Akibono fends off not one but two competitors to really showcase who is. Uh, the you know the baby face friendly giant. He's not the heel folly that will beat you down, but in that strange way, he plays that underdog against the overrelenting heel, the underdog against the numbers game, against the cheating. This match and the Makabe match were my two favorites of this entire tournament run because he is working from underneath, which is a complete you know difference from what we typically get from giants. The match itself that we're talking about here of Tenzan works quite simply to achieve this. All match long, Tenzan is attacking Akibono's back and his head. You know, During the match, Hanma attacks Akibono's back of a chair, then Tenzan does the same with, to his head. You know, This showcases the strategy that the 2006 G1 Climax winner had going into the match. But Akibono is able to get the big babyface comeback spot, taking down both guys and doing a super move, for, super move version of his finisher to put away Tenzan. Layout was simple but effective, and it got over on me. Block A Night 5 ends with Makabe and Nagata with 6 points, Akebono, Bernard with 5 points, and Tenzan and Chono with 4 points. This marked the end of regular G1 Climax tournament matches. All wrestlers have faced each other in the tournament, and despite being mathematically eliminated on night four, Ake Bono ended in the middle of the pack above Masahiro Chono, his teacher, so that should feel pretty good. Following the 2007 G1 Climax, Ake Bono began to display his lighter comedy side in wrestling. You know, he's showcasing that charisma, and now he's sort of utilizing that to sell more tickets. You know, he was gifted a tiger mask and was started to go by the name Bono Tiger and teamed with Tiger Mask 4 during that time. He did a similar thing in a one-off Michinoko Pro Wrestling match, competing with the great Sasuke as the great Bonosuke, wearing the same exact outfits. 
Uh, Akebono sadly, however, left New Japan in 2007 and began bouncing around all over between promotion to promotion, starting in Hustle, then Dragon Gate, then Zero One, then back in All Japan. However, he eventually started his own promotion called Odo, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, in 2015, but he still competed in various other wrestling promotions around Japan. However, after finishing a tour with DDT, Aki Bono reportedly went into a medically induced coma after suffering a cardiac condition. Despite early reports and denials from his family, it was confirmed from his wife that Aki Bono suffered acute heart failure and was in a coma for two weeks. He lost nearly 130 pounds and became wheelchair bound. Sadly, the story doesn't end there, when as of January 2019, it was revealed that he completely lost the use of his legs, had periods where he was evil, uh, he was unable to speak, and he was starting to suffer from partial memory loss. According to reports, uh, he only remembers, uh, at, you know, at the time of January 2019, he only remembers his early life up to his retirement in sumo, meaning that he has no memory of anything he's done in professional wrestling. Akibono was a great but different big man in pro wrestling. He played that underdog role exceptionally well, and he had the audience connection that and that charisma to boot. Was he the greatest wrestler in the world? Not really, but for someone who transitioned from one style of wrestling to, I, I guess, another, he did exceptionally well. Akibono's G1 and only grade, B-. minus. In two weeks, we move forward to 2008, which ironically is the year I started watching wrestling. But we aren't talking about the great Kali squishing Rey Mysterio's head like a grape. We aren't talking about Finley and his shillelagh shenanigans or Batista or The Undertaker, or I guess I just watched SmackDown at this time. We're talking about Shinjiro Otani. Otani has had an incredibly long career that is still going today. Uh, and I'm so excited to talk about and go through his 2008 run in the G1 Climax. But of course, we will get to that in two weeks. So until then, go subscribe to this podcast. Make sure that you are getting every single episode that comes out every other Monday. And if you like what you're listening, leave a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please, you know, take five seconds out of your day, scroll down to the leave review, leave a five-star review, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, until next time, I will see you all later. I'll talk to you all then on G1 and only. This has been a Countout Podcast. Hi guys, this is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is Your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present or future and you're probably wondering where you can go support us you can find your dose of death podcast on all major podcast platforms especially along with the count out network of podcasts 
And also, you can support us on the Count Out Patreon as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the show. <laughs>